0: Hey, everyone, welcome to Left of Straight Podcast, season number seven. We got a new name, a new logo, same great interviews and same great podcasts for you five days a week. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm the host and producer, Scott Fullerton, and I always love sharing stories of our LGBTQ community and, of course, straight allies. Have a new lineup happening. It starts today. We're going to be doing Left of Straight show interviews every Wednesday and Thursday. On Friday, we're bringing you back Standing on My Soapbox, where we'll be talking about hot button issues of the day. Uh, Mondays, we'll be doing Bears of a Certain Age with my good friend Johnny Sheffield out in Spokane in Washington. And Tuesday, it's always time for little five questions with bringing back our guests from the previous week for five hot seat questions to have a little fun with them and get some fun answers. So I hope you'll tune in this season. We're starting off with a month of new sponsors here. I'm so excited to welcome them aboard. We have Explorer Cold Brew Coffee. If you like a little cold brew coffee, but you like to be able to pick your caffeine level, Explorer Cold Blue is the one, for you you can choose anywhere from no caffeine to extra high test caffeine for those nights out in the town. So be sure to check them out. We'll be having more from them throughout the first month and a half of the season here. Also, we have Fruit Loots Gifting on. Our good friend David Cruz and his friend Alan has started an amazing company where you can go to their website at fruitloots.com and find gifts for just about anyone under the sun. You can either pick your own things to put in a great little goodie basket or they have some curated boxes that have to do with pride, birthdays, and so much more. I love having a little bit of easy gifting and Fruit Loops makes it possible. Finally, Spencer Hodgeson's Gay Water is coming on board for the first month and a half. If you haven't tried Gay Water yet, it's available in just about every state now. It's an amazing drink. You have four flavors to choose from. It's uh, a gay guy's favorite, vodka and soda. So be sure to check it out for all my new sponsors. Show them a little love. Tell them Left and Straight Show sent you and we'll be talking about them throughout the month. But let's get on to the show, shall we? I'm so excited. Um, Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you always being part of the Left of Straight family here. Um, We're kicking off season seven with two great interviews. If you're only seeing one here, be sure to check uh, the station for your other link. We're bringing Rob Madge all the way from good old UK, England. Uh, Rob is an amazing performer, their one person show. My son's a queer. What can you do is coming from the UK to Broadway this February. And then we have... From Broadway, the amazing Tom D'Angora is with us. He's producing three amazing shows this season, uh, from Harmony by Barry Manilow to How to Dance in Ohio, which I'm a fan of, of course, to upcoming Suff. So uh, going to be a great season here, and we're kicking off Season 7 with Salute to Broadway. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Enjoy! Alrighty, everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Left of Straight Show with me, your host, Scott Fullerton. Today in studio with me all the way from across the pond, as they say, a truly inspirational figure in the world of theater and LGBTQ advocacy, Rob Madge is joining me. Their amazing one-person show, My Son's a Queer, but what can you do? Comes to Broadway in February to the Lyceum Theater right here in New York City. So take a seat. The theater's open and we're gonna have a gay old time. Cue music.
1: Welcome to the Left of Straight Show, where we talk entertainment, music, books, foodies, and more each week with special guest interviews of interest to the LGBTQ community and our straight allies. Direct from the your host Scott Fullerton chats with some of your favorite entertainers, celebrities, newsmakers, and behind the scenes people across the country and around the world who make it all happen. So sit back, grab your favorite beverage, and let's start talking.
0: All righty, everyone, we are back, and they're here. They're queer, so deal with it. Rob Madge is in the house with me. I'm so exciting, uh, fresh from their amazing run at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in London's West End last year, where they were nominated for the 2023 Lawrence Olivier Award for Best Entertainment or Comedy Play. Hey,
2: Rob, how you doing? What a lovely introduction. Thank you, Scott. I'm very well. I'm very well indeed. Such a lovely time
0: to chat with you. I saw the big announcement in Broadway World that you were bringing everything to Broadway. It's like I had to have him on the show. Nicole oh. has been Minding her P's and Q's and making sure everything's perfect. I have the blue and red M&M's and the lemon biscotti in the dressing room for you here. So we're good Thank to go. So well.
2: Thank you. Yeah, you got my writer. Just, yeah, just missing the champagne. and There you the go. Flat. Yeah, great.
0: <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you on the show. I mean, we've gone through the holiday scenes, so and now you've been a busy boy. We're going to talk about the production you're in. You're going to be here in February. I mean, man, this is a busy time of year for you. Holidays are usually nuts. You got to be going crazy.
2: Yeah, I've had to sort of apologize to everyone who's expecting uh, some good Christmas presents from me this year. I think it'll have to be some uh, box of <laughs> chocolates at best <laughs> at this point. And my poor parents will serve the world, and they'll they'll be lucky to get some nuts if anything. <laughs> um, no, it's it is a busy, busy time. Um but i'm I'm glad for it. I've got nothing else to do, so i like I like to be to be hectic.
0: <laughs> there you go. well, understandable, I'm sure they're going to understand all right, Rob Well, the first thing I like to ask everyone I have two questions I ask all my newbies on the show. Tell me a little bit about where do you grew up in the u k and what kind of a kid were you? I mean, we're going to find out a lot about it in your play, but uh tell me about where you grew up.
2: Yes, you will certainly see what a nightmare of a child I was in the show. I grew up in in a tiny little part of the UK, um, a tiny little village uh, near Birmingham, which is sort of the, the, the middle of the country. London's two hours below us and Edinburgh in Scotland is about four hours above us. So we're slap bang in the middle and it was provincial uh I was as they say in the UK the only gay in the village um (laughs) even I mean I didn't really know it at that age I suppose but yes I grew up in a tiny little town I I moved to London when I was nine years old to start working in theatre I got a job in Mary Poppins when it was in the West End to play Michael Banks which was um a dream come true. So that that sort of ferried me off to London for a while. And uh, I had a very strong Birmingham accent, but they they sort of made sure that I, I got rid of that. It wouldn't be in keeping with Mary Poppins, that's for sure. <laughs> that's amazing.
0: I love that. And second question I always ask is, I like to know, I mean, you've obviously been very open with your parents, everything early on, but when did you come out to yourself and when did you maybe start finding your lgbtq tribe
2: such a good question i think it's an ongoing process isn't it you never stop coming out i find uh unlike unlike being straight um your sexuality then is is it doesn't come with half of the assumptions that it comes with being a queer person so it feels like at some point with every new encounter every new friendship group every new work colleague there'll be a question about it and you have to sort of out yourself over and over and over again. Um, the first the first time I think I ever uh, had an awakening was, it's mentioned in my show, so no spoilers, but I was in a community theatre production of a musical version of The Pied Piper of Hamlin, and I found myself deeply infatuated with the, <laughs> with the boy that played the Pied Piper. I was about eight years old. <laughs> And I suddenly found myself drawn to, to to him, whereas all the other boys were inexplicably drawn to the Queen of the Rats. But no, my eyes were firmly on Mr. Piper. There you go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I understand how that goes, for sure. Yeah. And you kind of uh, mentioned about Mary Poppins. You kind of had the trifecta, though, early on, tried. Uh, Michael Banks, you did Artful Dodger, you did uh, Grosje from Les Miserables, and then went on to Matilda. You were just a child phenom there. That had to be kind of exciting.
2: Well, basically, if there was a a precocious little child in a musical, (laughs) I guarantee I I would have irritated... Two thousand people on a nightly basis playing those precocious Cockneys. It was always Cockney. I don't know why. Lame's <laughs> is set in France, but apparently Gav is from the east end of London, so
0: <laughs> go-to little boy with the attitude. I like it. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah that was my casting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now now talk about these are all these musicals and everything. And I was looking over your resume and I saw you went to a theater art school maybe after these plays, but where did this musical talent come from? did you have any training early on or was it just from singing in the living room
2: singing in the living room really um i went to like i say this community um community theater project that's still going it's called stagecoach they have um they have m- multiple different venues across the country. Uh, and they'll sort of convert a, a school into a performing arts college for, for the weekend. Uh, it could be in town halls in community centres uh, that throughout the week is used for something else. And then on a Saturday, all the stagey people get together and you put on a little show with, with the kids. Uh, and that's where I started going at the age of about yeah about seven years old, I started going there. So they sort of they gave me a good introduction to it. Uh, and, then, and then it was Mary Poppins. And then during Mary Poppins, I had an audition for a theater school, a, a full-time training school uh, called the Sylvia Young Theater School, which is where I really, um where I really you know, earned my stripes, I'd say. Nice. Yeah. I
0: love that. And did they give you vocal coaches along the way? You just have this natural voice. I love the sound of your voice.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, I've had a lot of honey and lemon today. Uh, <laughs> You caught me on a good day. Sometimes I sound there a bit <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I had a lot of vocal training. Uh, and then uh, at the age of 18, though, I sort of decided to pack it all in. And I thought I was going to go and be a writer, which I suppose I have done in a way. Um, but uh, I, I sort of thought that performing was not for me anymore. Um, God, this is selling my show really well, isn't it? such a dreadful performer. No, that wasn't it. It's just, uh, like I say, I'd I'd been in shows since the age of nine. And I thought, well, maybe I should see whether it's what I really want to do. So I went to a straight academic university, uh, did English literature. But as the song in Avenue Q goes, what do you do with a BA in English? Uh, You go back to performing. But if I hadn't have taken that time away, I don't think I would appreciate it as much as I do, because all I did when I was at uni was think, gosh, I wish I was <laughs> performing again. Uh, so it's always sort of been there. But yeah, I went for a long period of time without that vocal training. So then I had to sort of get back on it uh, at the age of, well, I think I was 22 when I decided to rejoin. Yeah.
0: Well, it's amazing, though, because I was wondering that because a lot of especially child actors, they're they they they're, you're looking to especially in the States, looking to prolong that career and do some dodgy choices on occasion or get into yeah. some trouble and other reasons. But I saw mm. you went to Warwick University there. Uh, I think yeah. we know them as the uh, hot little butts and the rowers and everything, probably, yeah. from the States here is the only oh. reason we know them. But I well. was wondering what's going kind to of bring you to university.
2: Any publicity, publicity, isn't it? Um... <laughs> Gosh, I didn't know the Warwick rowers had crossed the pond. God, they've made it. Wow, well done, Warwick rowers. Yes, for all those who don't know, my university has a rowing team, and they have a salacious Christmas calendar every year where they do quite the photo shoots. Um, <laughs> uh, they are yes.
0: huge over here. They're in my little gay secret chat. It's like, has a new calendar come out? Has a new calendar come out? So get big time God. over here in the States, my friend.
2: Oh, I- <laughs> I'll drop them all on WhatsApp and say, congratulations, <laughs> you've made it. Made it.
0: <laughs> now, that did you, it you did totally just English there? You didn't work in, because they have a great arts program there too. I know it's like right. in the center of campus and everything, right?
2: Yes, they've got um, one of the best uh, theater degrees. If you're doing an academic theater degree, um, then warwick is is one of the absolute best in the country, um, but i didn't do that. I did just do straight English lit um but I met you could pick all of your you know your specialist subjects within that, and all I did was plays. I just picked all the all the modules that had plays, so i didn't stray too far, but they also had you know those extracurricular societies and clubs um which i I was, I mean, that was my university experience, really. I always think the degree sort of fell by the wayside a a little bit. I did all right, but I mean, (laughs) I could have done better if I wasn't, you know, president of the Musical Theatre Society. (laughs) It was (laughs) very kind of vibes. Um, But I I truly had the best time there. And I would say it was an academic university, but doing something like a, a, a club, a drama club, where you are, in charge and you have to put the shows on yourself, you're in charge of the budget, all those sorts of grown up things. That's where I really cut my teeth. That's where I learned. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned so much at, at Warwick at uni um, about creativity mostly, cause up until that point, all the musicals I would, I was doing as much as I love them. They're very much, you know, that they are, they're pre-made. They've been running for years beforehand. You stand on the X, you deliver your lines. This is how you, it it is done uh, and then you leave and then someone else comes in a year after with Warwick and now with the work that I try and do now it's much more free and you ha- you can take such liberties with your creativity and your own artistic license and I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't have gone to uni I don't think I think I would think my role in life was to stand on the x and and do the dance and that's a great job every now and then but right. for me I need to I need to spice it up a little bit every now and then. And had I not been taught that you can do that in those university societies, I don't think I ever would have done. So, yeah, I had a great time at uni. Fully recommend it.
0: That sounds so great. Of course, it's so important to kind of get those opportunities. I mean, over here with the actors and everything, I remember a couple of years, I I started the show eight years ago, and it was really hard to get a role, so people started creating their own roles, and that's when we had a lot of the web series and things like that. And a lot of people were kind of learning it by fly, but to be able to do that in college, that's an amazing thing to do. Yeah. Now that you've got all this notoriety, are they asking you back for special lecture series (laughs) or anything, or would you like to go back?
2: yeah i was doing an event the other day and there was somebody there that um that was working on the event who is now uh, also part of the the society that i was in music theater warwick they're called mtw uh just plugging their work now they are fabulous if anyone's in the warwickshire area in the uk <laughs> um, and, she, and she said we'd love to have you back So i haven't been back really since i since i was there so i'd love to go back i think i'd feel very old and haggard and I would, i'd I'd feel very sad and remorseful and nostalgic, <laughs> but I would you
0: like to you reinvigorate. You see all these young students and you you figure out the joy again in it. So I think, I think it's a it works both ways there. Yeah, maybe. Now, and like I said, we're getting all these accolades now, uh, the 2023 Virgin Atlantic Attitude Awards, theater award, yes. Rob Madge, very impressive. Congratulations on that.
2: Thank you. That was yeah that was a really special one for me because attitude magazine is the forefront uh publication for lgbtq people in in this country and I just remember remember um you know hi- hiding it under my bed uh when I was younger uh and it's just it's really paved the way for a, a lot of us um in this country for sure so for them to uh to recognize the show in that way was deeply meaningful you know for 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 it to affect the people that it's it's really written for, um, for them to see themselves reflected in it was, yeah, I, I was so proud of that.
0: That is great. And I got to tell you, I mean, I was such impressed by your fashion sense. That great outfit was amazing. Do you have a stylist or is this all you? I mean, you have some great taste, my friend. I did,
2: I did have a stylist for that one because with, without her, honestly, it wouldn't, <laughs> I'd have been dressed in my pajamas probably. I, I'm awful when it comes. <laughs> to myself, um, yeah, no, I had a fabulous stylist called Alona, and she's great, and uh I would love to work with her again, um yeah, so I did have for, for for that I knew there'd be photographers in a red carpet, so I thought I'd better not turn up in a onesie well,
0: it was some amazing fashion choices, so good on her for doing that because it was impressive. I love that now we we finished a holiday season and we're but we also have pantomime going on now. Panto, yeah. I guess you call it over there. Yeah. I mean, it's a gay boy's job. I mean, Jennifer Saunders is like a queen over here. She's close to Cher and everything. We're doing <laughs> Peter Pan playing Tinkerbell. Yeah. Jennifer Saunders playing Captain Hook. Talk about this. This is your second year running, right?
2: Yeah, second year there. Yeah, I'm thrilled that they have me back. I don't know why they did they're fools, but haha. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna question their choices. Yes, I'm very excited to be back. Yeah, Jennifer Saunders is the evil Captain Hook and I Am Tinkerbell. So Panto, for those that don't know, is a tradition that has been in the UK since the Victorian era. And it, it, it was it was one of the first examples post-Shakespeare of of gender, gender bending. Um, it's, it's tradition for the man to play the woman and the woman to play the man. And uh, obviously I fall in between. <laughs> um, so it's the perfect kind of medium for me uh, where I can, last year I was... I was um, a farmyard cow, like milky white in Into the Woods, but uh, a very sort of disgruntled milky white was how I played it. Um, wanted a bigger part. Uh, and this year I am, I'm a tinkerbell, I'm a fairy. So that's the non-binary representation we need, cows and fairies in panto. <laughs> uh, so, yes, I'm very excited. That's amazing. It should be
0: I heard of Panto. I'm a huge John Barrowman fan. So uh-huh. I mean I live and breathe John Barrowman. He talks about Panto every year. So that's one reason I had a little bit of familiarity with it. But just looking at it, like I said, amazing cat. I did see um speaking of fashion, Tinkerbell is looking much better than the cow. Oh. A little, little <laughs> a little bulky there. A little bulky, a yeah. little <laughs> tough to get around. So
2: Yeah, yeah. She was uh, yeah, she was a tough one last year. Not so much for me, but for everybody who came within a meter of its tail. would <laughs> <So it'd> be <laughs> whacked in the face, in the wings, and I'd be apologize. All I did last year was say sorry. It was my it was my catchphrase. I was like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, it got so boring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah. congratulations. It started back in early December. I think it's going through January 14th, right? So you're yes,
2: going to be right
0: up to heading to Broadway then, right?
2: Goodness. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we close on January the 14th, and then I'll – I'll oh, be heading your way about a month later.
0: Well, that's a great transition. Let's go ahead and play the trailer. I mean, we're talking an amazing show. So why don't you go ahead and introduce the name of your show and the trailer here?
2: Well then, this show that I have written and that's coming to Broadway apparently for some silly reason is called My Sons A Queer, but What Can You Do? And there you go.
0: We're back on the other side. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here in the Left of straight Radio Network.
2: When I was a kid, I was that gay that put on a Disney parade in my hall for my grandma. I had such high hopes, but unfortunately it went hideously wrong. Anything is possible when the stage is your living room. Anything is possible with umbrellas, a suitcase and a broom. Use your imagination... Yes, anything is possible If you just believe Why is it only a choice of two?
0: That is the one-person show for my very special guest today. Rob Madge is in the house with me. Rob, I mean, amazing, amazing show. Like I said, I've seen the trailer. I've seen different bits and pieces of it. I've become obsessed online with the music from it. It all starts with Disney in the living room. I think a lot of us in the States kind of forget that Disney goes outside of the States. We have Disneyland and Disney World talk about what was your really upbringing with Disney? Did you go to Paris Disney? Was it all the movies? Talk about your introduction to Disney.
2: Yeah, uh, Disney was just—it was my thing, and it was the classics for me. It was the Snow Whites and the Peter Pans, the Cinderella, Sleeping Beauties. Um, I, I sort of missed the boat on Disney Channel, and that's so Raven and and Sweet Life of Zach and Cody and all that. For me, it was those original. Beautiful uh, hand-drawn anima- animations, and they still are my absolute favourites. And it was it was my um, it was my entertainment of choice all the time. I watched them on repeat, uh, much to my parents' dismay when I forced them to reenact it in 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 the living room. Um, so that's how the show sort of came about because I found all of these old home videos of when we used to put on. Disney productions in in the living room uh, and the VHS tapes that we've got that, that there's plenty of them and they're they're very um outlandish and ridiculous uh, and seeing my dad play you know the sea witch and and he's pushing the the handmade float for our parade uh, our Disneyland parade that's happening in the hallway Um, <laughs> I just thought were quite ridiculous so that's why I wrote the show really.
0: It's absolutely amazing seeing grandma on the teacups chair. It's like you are unbelievable that you were able to get your family. To that. And I mean, honestly, it's billed as a one person show, but it's really a love letter to your parents. I think it's more of a dedication to the family than it is about you. Right. I think that's amazing.
2: That's a lovely way of putting it. Yes. We we start the show, um, hopefully, with the intention of thinking we're going in to watch a uh, a solo show that's all about me and I make no qualms about that within the opening few lines I say this is the most self-indulgent thing you'll see I hope you enjoy it but like you say hopefully by the end uh it will have opened up a bit more to not even just my family but any kind of supportive family and hopefully that's what people leave I, I want people to leave not not thinking, gosh, I just watched one person show us their home videos, but hopefully leave and think, God, I want to call my mum and say thank you, or I wish I could, or I want to bring my mum to watch it, or my dad, or my sisters, brothers, whatever. That would be my my true aim is that people actually forget about me by the end of it.
0: <laughs> well, it's a ama- it's an amazing journey for yourself, although obviously, I mean, you talk all about your identity and all that comes together, so it is a journey the entire thing but i really did think it was a love letter and they were just much of the star of the show because you were so good on you for that
2: oh them. they are they upstaged me totally <laughs> <laughs> the number one question i would get asked at stage door is where's your dad i thought your dad your dad deserves a bow <laughs> excuse me <laughs> written the whole bloody thing <laughs> give me my moment there you go,
0: right? Amazing.
2: Yeah, he does deserve a bow.
0: And, I mean, cool. we have the star in front of me, in front of the production, but let's talk about behind the scenes. And Juliet is so big here in the States with Broadway. And now you have Luke Shepard. I mean, in the Heights, I'm a huge Glee fan. I have, I'm good friends with Jen Oshkowitz and Kevin McHale from Glee. So I have yeah. them on the show a lot. And uh, I mean, so in the Heights, I know from Leah Michelle and, wow. uh, and Juliet. So Great. I mean, Luke Shepard, I don't know, really, Pippa, but I'll clear you, uh, And I'm not familiar with the British Bake Off musical. Of course, Ooh. that's a huge show, television show here. It's but fabulous. talk about where well, you found these amazing people to work with.
2: Luke Shepard, I had worked with in Matilda. He was my He was the kids director in Matilda. <laughs> so he was actually one of my first ever directors. And when I first wrote the show um and we were talking about potential directors luke's name came up and i he was instantly my my first choice but i thought he's the busiest man um so he'll never be able to do it well that was the one positive to the pandemic because he wasn't the busiest man (laughs) and i think if we got him at any other time he wouldn't have been able to have done it but because he wasn't working he thought oh god god i've got to do something haven't i so then we got him We got him and he's never left us. Thank you, Luke. Uh, And so I've known him since then and Pippa uh, was Luke's Luke's pal. They wrote a musical together, uh, not together, Luke directed a musical that Pippa wrote um, called The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole. Um, And we just, clicked. Pippa and I, the first day I met her was when we started writing the show. Luke said, I'm going to bring you over to Pippa's house. Let's see if it works. And the pressure's on then, isn't it? Because if it doesn't, you're in her house, you're drinking her Prosecco. (laughs) Uh, There's no going back. Uh, But luckily, she's just an absolute genius. And she just understood that that sat that parody of a Disney parade sound that I that I wanted. She got it bang on, and uh, and now she uh she just wrote the opening number for the Olivier's, and the Olivier's have never done an opening number before. Uh, and Hannah Waddingham was the lead singer of it, and it was a big big number that would uh, that featured every big musical that was happening in the West End at the time. That had never been done before, and she's a real she's really you know at the forefront of female British composers there aren't there aren't enough of them getting the getting the plaudits there are plenty of them but not enough of them get the recognition and she's really leading the way on that on that forefront so yeah she's fabulous
0: that's fantastic well I'm so excited you were able to get them I and and going back to the music like I said not really any formal training did you kind of give her idea? I mean the big song is just amazing did you kind of give her the idea for those lyrics was that all her how did that how did the um, big Showstopper
2: come about? Uh, we, we, we shared the lyrics. I'd go with, with an idea of, of, I'd go with the message that I wanted the song to have. And then we, we'd formulate lyrics around that together and we, we'd bounce off of each other. Um, it was never meant to have songs in it at all. It was a couple of weeks before we did our first show, actually, that it was, it was a straight play. Um, and Luke, one rehearsal, just said, I think we could do with a song here. I went, really? I, I was like, well, I can't compose. I can write lyrics, but I'd need someone to do the tunes. And he thought he said, well, let's just introduce you to Pips. And then th- this one song ended up being, I think, five or six. And now we're adding a new one for Broadway. <laughs> so it, it just it just worked. It worked really well. But And I can't ever imagine it without the songs now. They're such an integral part. You can say things in song that you just can't say in dialogue. And, and there, there were plenty of monologues that I had that I just felt, oh, this is a little bit um, soapboxy. I feel like I'm giving a, a presentation. I feel like there should be a PowerPoint behind me and I'm giving a lecture. Um, but then when you add music to it and you rhyme a few bits, it's fine, you can get away with anything. So, yeah. yeah. She's and,
0: so co- and then the orchestration where you have everyone doing in the video and everything, just oh. a one-person show, but now you have this orchestration and all these... Great people backing you up. That had to be kind of exciting to add just another element to it as well.
2: That was very special to me because um, they're all really close friends of mine and they're all LGBTQ. They've always been there for me in my journey of discovering my identity. I've been there for them. Uh, so it just felt like a, a really powerful thing for us all to come together and, and deliver that performance and, and for it to be on the, on the album. Uh, yeah. I'm very proud that we got to do that. Um, sadly, they can't be with me on stage, which I'm gutted about because it means I have to do more. Uh, it was nice to be able to let them sing a few lines and have a break. <laughs> but uh, it would just be me, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Get the album. You'll hear them all there.
0: <laughs> there you go. I like that. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I had one of my listeners ask a question. Um, they said, how has your background in theatre influenced the way you tell the story in this play? Did you learn, did take any elements from work? Did you take any just from your own experience in the theatre? How did that lend itself to your show?
2: Um, I think my, one of the biggest things that was going on in my brain when I was writing it and still when I perform it is I think a lot of time theatre underestimates the importance of the audience. Um, that fourth wall, often we like to to you To utilize it to lit to its fullest extent and pretend that there's nobody there watching, which is fine, works perfectly well for certain plays um for this really important that it felt like they were there with me um in a one person show they become your other characters, they are your other actors, uh, and you need to bounce off of them uh, they have to provide you with things to respond to, and vice versa uh. And I think some of the most exciting theatre I've ever been to is when you're watching the show, but you're also feeling the energy around you. And it feels palpable, that that buzz, and you don't get that watching a film or watching the telly, but that shared experience of, oh, this, this is making you cry, I'm crying too. Oh, this is making you laugh, I'm laughing too. And I'm there performing it going, I know why, because we share this story. Um, and they sort of become my mates. Uh so th- what I learned most from my, all my theatre training is don't uh don't underestimate or undervalue your audience. They are they they will provide you with greater notes than any director ever could, you know.
0: Right. That's they, the amazing part of the theater. You have that immediate feedback. I mean, I mean, films and everything, you do the work here or so in front and you never yeah. know. You don't have anything to kind of judge it off of. except I mean, the directors are all very good. Of yeah, it's very helpful, but it's nothing like a live audience each night to kind of give you that feedback.
2: And just, yeah, you can rehearse something to death. Uh, but it. if if it doesn't land with them or it doesn't click, you you got to change it. And um, yeah, there's there's just nothing like it.
0: Now, speaking of that, you're bringing it from the West End and Edinburgh Fringe to Broadway. Have you had any experience with the difference in audiences from UK to America? Do you have any expectations of the differences you're going to expect in the audience? What are you looking for in that sense?
2: Um, We with the hopes of coming to Broadway, we presented the show back in in May to uh, a select invited audience. and. Yes, I learned a lot. We have very different reference points, uh, which is, you know, that's fine. But when that's the punchline, you need to make sure that we're all on the same page. So, yeah, it's been there's been some extensive rewrites, uh, which I'm really excited about. It keeps it very fresh for me. I'm, I'm sick of churning the same show out over and over again. It has to it has to reflect where it's playing. Um so, yes, there's been quite a few rewrites and I'm excited to to test them out
0: fantastic and you talked about uh, being asked at the the stage door about your dad a lot can you share any memorable moment or reaction from an audience member from the uk that's kind of stayed with you all this time
2: it's it's actually always the um when you see the traditional blokey looking fathers who probably would have rather have been anywhere but the theater on that night, and their wives probably dragged them out or their children and they'd rather be sat at home watching the football seeing how it ends up moving them how it unexpectedly gets them is really special to me and I've had lots of deep conversations with 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 dads um who have never really considered how important they are and it's not it's not so much that they need to they need to go out of their way to to say all of the right things and do all of the right things. It's just that sudden uh, self awareness that maybe that roll of the eyes that you gave when your son said he wanted to wear a dress that day might instill a tiny bit of shame and why we should not do those rolls of the eyes. You know, it's the tiny little things that you say and do uh, as a parent and as a friend or whatever, um, a work colleague we don't say bigotry i find we act it in in small in small small tiny ways and being able to talk that through with a lot of dads who didn't realize um the the effect that they might have had uh and how they now feel um hopefully having learned a little something and and vice versa with with dads that do the exact same that you'd look at as my dad i mean that you'd look at them walking down the street and you would think oh god um i i I wish i wish everybody was queer why do men have to be like that and actually behind closed doors they're putting on shows with their little boys and dressing up as ariel uh you just never know it's taught me not to judge a book by its cover I wrote the show for a very select audience and people, a, a small group of people that I thought would get it. And that was queer people, queer people that were interested in theatre. But the people that have ended up coming and that are deeply affected by it are, are the people that I actually had in my narrow-minded view point <laughs> were, the en- were the enemy, and they're not. Uh, every, what I've learned is that everybody's actually trying their best. Not everybody, but a lot of us are trying our best. And it's been really um eye-opening for me as much as it has been for them and yeah i'm i'm very grateful for those experiences and those chats that i've had with people
0: well said though i love that you're able to experience that at the end of each show that's amazing um how do you approach the balance when you're writing this between like your little angel of humor your little angel of emotion when you're storytelling how do you balance that humor and emotion
2: Oh, what a great question. They're always in in conflict with one another. Um, If I feel that we're getting too sentimental, happy one has to chirp up. We call them, we call them treacle cutters. Luke Shepard's very good at it. He'll go, we need a treacle cutter here. Um, Mm -hmm. Just something to break the the sap. Um, And and vice versa. If I feel like it's getting performative and inauthentic, because sometimes we try and be funny when we just are. We don't need to add extra, um, then I'll have to counteract it and, and bring the truth back. Um, but it's, I love, lo- there's nothing I enjoy more than effing with an audience, if I'm allowed to say that. Like with their expectations and twisting it and subverting it and you're laughing at it. And then I make you think, you probably weren't meant to laugh at that. And then I go, why are you laughing at that? Um, and, and you then don't know what to think. You don't know how to react. And by the end of it, hopefully you've gone on this big old roller coaster of, of um of emotions that's that's the plan that's great
0: all right last two questions and i'll let you get out of here um i know it's later for you over there in the uk what huh. role do you think theater plays in promoting lgbtq awareness and acceptance
2: huge i think it plays such a huge huge role because it's a, it's a safe space reality is suspended when you walk into into the walls of a the theatre. And I really hope for that reality to, um, I really hope for that, that fantasy to become a reality. I hope that the, the best theatre you should walk in, you can sit down, relax, and think you're having a bit of escapism, but by the end, you actually take what you learn in that safe space and apply it to the outside world. Um, it, it, it's the one platform where you can, the opportunities are absolutely limitless, endless. Um, and I always say that there's always so much, people are so willing to suspend their disbelief over certain things, but not others. Um, you know, there's there's um, there's a show that was happening where a wicked witch is being played by a drag queen and that's an issue. However, they are willing to suspend their disbelief that Dorothy talks to a scarecrow. Do you know what I mean? So you you have to it's <laughs> you have to take everything with a, a pinch of salt in that respect. But there is no other platform like it. Um, Panto is such a tradition over here. It's one of the first shows that kids go to see in the UK. Uh, musical theatre as well, I think, is a very accessible main, mainstream form of theatre. So if those shows that kids go to aren't reflecting the world that these kids could grow up into, then you know, we want we to inspire the kids to have a, a positive future. And if and if you're still going to see shows that don't reflect 2023, then then you're just lying to to, to future generations. Um so I I think I think there's so much there's so much power in, in theatre.
0: So well said. Well, I'm so excited we get to to trap you here in America for about uh, four months. So I'm excited for that. It's a six-hour drive from me in Ohio, so I will be there at that back door. So I'm going to oh. pop on by. Um, oh my- I've been banished to Northeast Ohio from the coast, unfortunately. But I will be driving into New York to see you for sure. Talk oh. about, I mean, this is going to take up a lot of your time. We're talking four months of this. What are the plans after? We talked about a cast album big streaming is big here now doing performances and streaming it so everybody can see it uh making a dvd what are your plans what are your hopes and dreams now
2: uh just just world domination Not, nothing nothing too big just uh <laughs> taking over every, i don't know gosh who knows who knows at this point um i would love it to be more accessibly um you know streaming is such a, a great way for people who can't uh, afford tickets even um exactly. to, to come to come and watch um so who knows but I'd love to do something like that for sure.
0: Well, congratulations on all the success you've had overseas. I know it's going to be just as huge a hit. I mean, just the pre-buzz for it. Everyone's so excited, looking forward to having you come here. So I'm excited for it. Um, let everyone know the date you're going to be here. It's February 17th, I believe.
2: February the or
0: June something
2: yeah we'll, we'll do have something. everything on the website yeah. here but uh yeah, we're yeah. there from 16 weeks all right well 17. i appreciate
0: yeah. all your time this is amazing congratulations you deserve every bit of the success my friend
2: thanks so much for having me scott thank you what a lovely chat
0: well, I've, I enjoyed myself immensely. Let everyone know before you go, though, where they can find you on social media. And is there a website for the play or for, for Broadway where they can find more information?
2: That's a great point. Before I answer it, let me just make sure I get the, <laughs> the website URL correct. Um, I think you it, it's com. Yes, that's it. Yes. Um, fabulous. Well, yes, I am on all the social medias. I am on TikTok at Rob underscore Madge underscore. I'm on Twitter or X as we call it now, Rob underscore Madge underscore O2. And Instagram, Rob Madge O2. No underscores on Instagram. And yes, the website for the show is mysonsarequeerbroadway.com. And performances actually begin on February the 27th for 16 weeks.
0: I love it. Guys, tickets are on sale now. You can order pre-sale tickets now. So be sure to head out towards that website. Get on there. I mean, uh, Rob Madge, amazing for having you on. Thank you very much, my friend.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Scott.
0: All right. Stay on the line for me, guys. We're going to have a special five questions with Rob next Tuesday. So be sure to be in uh, line for that. We appreciate you coming every week on The Leftist Trade Show, listening to our interviews. We'll be back with another one next week. Thanks for showing up, everyone. Bye-bye. All right, that was great.
1: Thanks for listening to The Left of Straight Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast distributor and please give us a five-star rating so more listeners can find us. You can follow us on social media and be sure to check out our website, www.leftofstraightradio.com, for contests and other news and information. See you next week.